Welcome to Uprooted from Oakland. I'm your host, Tony Fry, and there's so much to talk about this week. Um, since we last spoke, things have progressed very little in Las Vegas. Uh, this le- The legislation that was expected at the end of last week was expected at the beginning of this week is now expected next week. The governor has opened the door for a special session due to several unresolved issues in Nevada that have nothing to do with the ballpark. But this does play in the A's favor as there is time to uh, their time is quickly running out for this legislative session, and they don't come back until 2025 unless there's that special session. Today, there were reports that officials were not eager to give the A's the $395 million they had previously asked for, a number that was $500 million just a couple weeks ago. The new number that the state is willing to talk about is $195 million, which is a massive hit if the A's needed the full $385 to acquire financing or simply to bridge funding gaps. It's believed that these numbers are what's holding up legislation being submitted, but I refuse to believe that's the sole cause since there are a thousand other elements to this deal that haven't been ironed out, at least publicly. Today, the mayor of Oakland went on local news and reiterated that Howard Terminal is an entitled project for the A's and that the A's are welcome back to the table at any time. She did throw in the caveat that uh, any potential buyers of the team should also know that Howard Terminal is still in play. So we're not the only ones screaming to get rid of Fisher. And all of this strengthens the reporting that Oakland and the A's were near a deal to get into a binding agreement um, before they announced all this nonsense in Las Vegas. And her estimated timeline, if the team were to reopen negotiations with Oakland, is almost identical, if not a little faster than what Las Vegas is at right now. A poll was released that showed over 70% of Las Vegas voters are open to the A's moving to Vegas, but the poll conveniently left out questions like, do you think public money should go towards it, or do you think it should be on one of the most congested traffic areas in the city? And it also talked up the shopping and dining that would be built around the park because the poll for their binding deal west of I-15. This wasn't even a poll for this site. They've already moved on from the uh, the area that this poll was addressing. Um, but the A seem to be using these numbers, which are incredibly skewed and focused on a different project, to make their case that they've got support of voters. To which I say, put it on the ballot. All the poll told us is what we already knew. Nevada wants a baseball team. Duh. We already knew that. Um, and it has very little to do with the current proposal beyond that. It's as if I went to city council and said, I took a poll and the neighborhood is very excited for me to build a bank while I'm submitting a request to build an Arby's. It's totally unrelated. All of this and nearly every report that has come out includes the line, the athletics were unavailable for comment, which means that I'm not the only person Dave Cavill is ghosting. He's ghosting important people too. And all of this begs the question, if everything is okay with John Fisher's financing and his ability to continue owning the team, why have they moved from a multi-billion dollar real estate deal to a stadium slash dining slash shopping district off the strip to a tiny parcel on a piece of a casino property with no development room in the span of a few weeks? Every deal this team gets closer to signing is less impressive than the one that preceded it. But the dollar amounts they supposedly need have remained relatively the same or grown. To continue what we started last week by exposing Cavill's hypocrisy, um, here's an interview he did uh, in 2017 with KTVU Television, where he discusses how important the Oakland A's are for Oakland. Uh, there's there's a lot of talk about what a, a franchise means to a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the A's philosophy, what what does the Oakland A franchise mean to the the greater 
really Northern California community. Well, the great thing about the A's is we have the most knowledgeable and passionate fan bases, I think, of almost any in the These are folks who will be in the bleachers or in the stands keeping score. These are people really connected to our history. 50 years in this city, great Hall of Fame players like Ricky Henderson. And so we want to celebrate that past, create a place for them to gather and root for their team with players that will be there for a long time. I think that will lead to success. It will be a great atmosphere, uniquely Oakland, and one that will bring more world championships. How, how will you guys be different than, and I guess the commitment to the ballpark is a big step, mm -hmm. but I would compare you to the Raiders, for example, have that same kind of history and got a big, bright, shiny object that they're leaving for. Uh, I guess this is your commitment to the community saying yeah. we're not doing that. I assume you had options to do other things if you if that had entered into the equation. Yeah, our full commitment is to Oakland. You know, we're rooted in Oakland. We have 50 years of history here. We're doing everything we can in our power with the community to engage and make sure this ballpark is a success and that it's built in an, in an appropriate way. And that's our commitment to the city, and we're going to continue to push that every day. I think it was Steve Kerr that I heard say recently when he was asked about the Raiders situation, mm -hmm. he said we have to feel like we're kind of custodians, not really owners. Mm -hmm. How would you say this ownership's philosophy is in terms of its commitment to the community? Well, I think in general, in all the pro sports teams that I've led, it's important to understand that the fans are really first. And the fans, in many ways, own the team, and you steward the team through different eras. And I'm honored enough to be the seventh president of the Oakland A's. That's a big deal. We have a ton of history. We have 116 years of history going all the way back to Philadelphia. And it's just my job and our group's job to make sure we take it to that next level. I uh, can actually see my guests um, in their waiting room here that you can't see. And you could power a small engine off the energy from eye rolls right there. We've got first, we've got the world's smartest fan base. Well, that's really biting in the ass right now, isn't it, Cavill? And then their loyalty and commitment to Oakland and the fans. It's just every time someone pulls up one of these um, videos from not that long ago, this is recent history, it just makes my my brain hurt. Um, one last thing today, I wrote an open letter to Rob Manfred, and I'm encouraging all A's fans to swing by herohabit.com to add their thoughts in the comments section. Maybe if enough people do it, it'll get the attention of those in charge. I've had articles do that before. But if not, it's at least a therapeutic way to vent your frustration over this whole situation. Um, so once again, herohabit.com, it's pinned to the top of the page. You'll see it uh, where I do all of my other A's writing. So without further ado, I've got two gentlemen with me today. I have self-proclaimed ancient A's fan, Eric, and uh, we've got Samuel here. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hey, Tony. Hey, Eric. Hey. So... I don't even know where to begin this week. It's 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 like the same thing every week. But I, I said there's a lot that happened in this week. You know, they've made, like I said, relatively no progress, but there's been a lot of news that came out this week. But like Eric and I were talking before we started, most of it was today yeah. um, with this funding gap and, and the legislature maybe not willing to play the hardball that the A's are banking on. What are your thoughts on what what we've seen in the in the last twenty four hours, even? Wow, it was like a like a waterfall this morning when I got up and I started checking the uh, the Twitter feed, and it's just loaded with the legislature is not going to give the A's what they want. These are sources that remain anonymous, but seem credible. Um, now the legislature seems to be throwing it back on the county, saying, "Well, if you want this, we'll give you this amount of money," but you got to come up with the rest. Now, are they going to be able to push this through by the end of the year? 
I really doubt this is going to happen. Right. You try to you try to compare what Las Vegas is offering right now to what Oakland had on the table. Apples to apples, it, it, Oakland has the better offer. Um, and then the the um, interview that uh, Mayor Shang Tao did today. Um, you know, the city of Oakland wants to do business. Like the city of Oakland is ready to do business on a larger site. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand, uh, the play that the A's, John Fisher, Cavill have here on a nine acre site. It doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's crazy to me that MLB just is okay with it because, there's thousands of fans. There's thousands of tweets. We see it trending, right? We follow the, the, the you can see it in my, in my uh, bio there, the, the hashtags that's been the most popular for Ace fans on, you know, arguing this issue. It, it's like MLB's not listening. There is a fan base here, but after how many years, 20, 30 years of seeing players get traded away, seeing free agents walk away, um, you know, it gets tiresome and we're tired of the excuses. We are an intelligent fan base, but we're also going to fight for our team. We love the A's. Yeah. They're a part of our community now. And this, uh, you know, a team just uprooting and leave. Um, I think that it needs to end. You know, it's something that needs to end because we're communities are too tied to the franchise. Especially after almost 60 years now. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And one thing that the mayor was saying that she could expedite the things and they asked her, how long do you think between a deal and shovel in the ground? And she said two years, which, um, I think, you know, she's a brand new mayor. She hasn't been mayor for such a massive project before. So, you know, maybe that's accurate. I think they could probably get it down because they've already done environmental impact reports. They've already cleared legislation. They've already cleared several lawsuits. Like all that stuff is already done. Um, so a lot of that two years is going to be cleaning the site up because it's a toxic dump right now. So cleaning that site up and preparing it for uh, shovels in the ground. Bally's or Bally's or however you say that casino group, they said it to, in their in their uh, report to their own employees. It would be eighteen to twenty four months from time of deal to actually closing down the place and shovels in the dirt. So even so, Oakland's given them more money. They've committed to nearly the full funding that the the team has asked for. They can probably get the rest. You know, it's not it's not uh, that they're they're not on the less end of financing it. You know, it's, it's, they've done most of it. So better, better, uh, price, better land with that. They have more control over, they have more area to develop it out and it's in your home. You don't have to redevelop a fan base. And, uh, at the very least the same timeline. So I don't right. understand how this is even why there's even a debate. And there's also the, the debate of, does Las Vegas deserve a, a MLB franchise? I think everybody agrees it's, it's probably time that Las Vegas gets a MLB franchise. Um, but it seems like the energy behind a team like the Las Vegas Knights and a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> the energy is totally different. Yeah. The, 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 the welcoming and the love 
that Las Vegas Knights have received um, is, you know, it's 80-20 in favor of the Knights versus the Raiders. Like the Raiders have a support system, but I think I saw something this afternoon um, that the Raiders rank in the lower third of attendance. Like even though they got the new stadium, even though they got these flashy players and, you know, it's not an apples to apples comparison. And that's a, the NFL is a once a week thing that you can plan for, for a weekend. Uh, The attendance numbers that the A's are, are are throwing out right now that it's going to create this much more profit and this much more attendance. Really? You you think you're going to, you think a bunch of people are going to show up Las Vegas in the summer heat um, on a Tuesday. You got to remember too, with the Raiders specifically, they spent 15, 20 years, however long it was in LA. So they've right. got a fan base in two locations they're pulling from. And it right. is almost equally as far to travel from LA to Vegas as it was to travel from LA to Oakland. So right. they, they, the fans that they are able to pull and because they were an LA team, they probably had a pretty decent Vegas following too, just like the Dodgers have in Vegas. So they, they already were set up to be uh, more successful than pretty much any other team that would have relocated. I think a brand new team probably would have done better just like it did in hockey. But as far as relocation, they were set up better than anybody. The A's don't have that going to Vegas. No. You know, there might be some A's fans there. There's some A's fans everywhere, but it's, it's not the same as a team that had played in LA, you know, 20 years ago. The one thing I'd like to bring up and you don't hear anything about this, you know, what are the other owners thinking about this? You don't hear anything from Manfred anymore. He's he's dead silent. What are the Dodgers ownership thinking? They're going to lose that fan base. What about Arizona? They're going to lose that fan base. Do they want to cede this entire territory to the Giants? And now the Giants become the dominant team on the West Coast. I I just don't see that happen. I don't see. I don't think those teams are going to vote for this move. I've seen some people say, and then they'll, they'll jump into my tweets and say, the A's wouldn't be doing this. If they didn't know they had the approval, Manfred wouldn't have waived relocation fees. If he didn't know they had the approval, it's like, how, why is it in this respect, all of a sudden they are methodical and brilliant strategist, right? Everything else they've touched has gone up in flames, but on this, they absolutely did their due diligence ahead of time. Um, To the Dodgers point, I don't know that the Dodgers are too worried about losing their fan base because Dodgers are, they're just like, A's fans. They're diehard Dodgers fans. They're not going to jump to an A's team just because it's a local team. But to your point about the Giants, and I've talked about this, I think, on every single episode we've done so far, the no team in baseball should want to give the Giants the largest unshared market in the country. Right. Because it's just increased revenue, and they're already a high-spending team. It's increased revenue that the other teams that want to compete with them, particularly like the Dodgers and Padres in their division, they're going to have to start up in the ante a little bit to keep up, you know? So I, I, from that standpoint, I don't think any of the West coast teams should want it. It puts too many teams down in a clump within 350 miles of each other between angels, Padres, Dodgers, diamondbacks, Vegas. That's five teams that are right there. Um, with the Rockies being a day drive away. Right. Uh, you know, so it's like it's a it's a tight clump and they're not going to split the uh, territorial rights. So the A's are going to go down there. They already share the territorial rights for Vegas media wise. So they're going to go down there to a market. They already share five ways 
and continue to share it five ways. So now with all this, the demands that they've made over the years about how, um, you know, we need to have the development around the park and we need to have this and we need to have that. And it needs to be downtown and needs to have ingress and egress and all these things that they've abandoned. They're also, they're not going to own the land. They're not going to own the park. They're going to have a shared television market. Like there's a, this is a no win for the A's other than they'll get a stadium that will up their value. So John Fisher can sell afterwards, you know? So the only people that could benefit from this are the owners of the A's and the San Francisco giants. It's going to hurt everybody else. Well, there's no doubt that, you know, after Selig made that one statement that it was a bad decision to let the Kansas city athletics move to Oakland. And he's never been in favor of the A's staying in Oakland. Never thought he should have been commissioner. I've been around, I, mean, I went to my first game in 1971 and uh, Vita Blue pitched the first game I went to. And the last game I went to was a 73 reunion team. And then I, then Vita passes away. And then this news breaks and I'm just like, man, this is, this is too much. Um, but I digress. Um, I saw this before um, back in the late seventies uh, when, when the 76 season ended and everybody left for free agency because of Charlie Finley. And it was, wow, uh, it, it was tough to go to a game. Uh, There's nobody there. But I went, I went a lot in 77, 78, and 79. I went to 55 games. I mean, can you imagine that? There's only a thousand people at the, at the ballpark. Um, so here comes 1980, and it looks like the A's are moving to Denver. They're that close. They're sitting there after spring training, ready to go. They're going to wait for the phone call from Charlie Finley. Are we going to go north to Denver or are we going to go west to Oakland? It was that close. But Oakland filed a lawsuit, and that scared Marvin Davis away. So they just came to Oakland, and all of a sudden, geez, they started winning because Finley decided, ah, maybe I better put some money in the ball club because i got to sell it. And, yeah, they started winning. Fans started coming to the game. I mean, I saw crowds that bigger than any crowds I saw before, 40,000, 50,000 coming into the ballpark. And uh, – and the A's were sold, and Finley made a little extra money back up enough to where the fan interest was there. But you, you look at today, this guy's done everything he can to destroy it purposefully, and it's obvious. And how MLB lets this happen, those are like, now I'll put on my foil hat, but it sounds like it's just a conspiracy to get the A's out of the Bay Area so the Giants can have the territory. Go ahead. Yeah, I, to piggyback off of you, Eric, like I've been, this was a few years ago, pre-pandemic, I went to New York. And then I, I took the train over to Boston. Uh, so we followed the A's on their East Coast road trip, New York and Boston. Um, that particular year, the Yankees were not very good. And Yankee Stadium was empty. But you don't hear <laughs> move the Yankees, you know. Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately, the A's lost that game. I had a blast. Uh, Yankee fans were actually... Um, I, I've been blessed. Every time I go on the road, uh, I make friends with the opposition. So I've been very lucky. Um, I went to New York. I met friends. I followed them to Boston. I met a bunch of friends. As soon as the game was over, um, you know, there was a lot of trash talk. There were, you know, back and forth. And, uh, you know, after the game, uh, Red Sox fans, you know, shook hands. Uh, some of those people who I still see on Twitter and follow me on Twitter, they've reached out in support of what's going on uh, for us A's fans. I was just in San Diego um, 
San Diego in uh, Dodgers. And Dodger fans were crazy supportive of Oakland. That was a, like an overwhelming conversation that I had. And even from San Diego, uh, because they know what this is like going through, you know, with the Chargers. Uh, the Dodgers, Dodgers fans are very smart. Like, you know, as a NorCal guy versus a, a SoCal guys, we get into that regional rivalry. But I have a lot of uh, respect for the Dodger fans that I, when I was down there, uh, because they remember Frank McCourt. They remember when the Dodgers were completely mismanaged and baseball intervened and forced the sale. Um, there's a deal on the table that the city of Oakland wants to do business. The fandom wants wants this here. We want we want nothing more to spend money. <laughs> you know, we, we would love to spend money on tickets and jerseys and memorabilia and do all of those things. Um and how MLB is just letting this slide is just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy that the Bay Area is one of the richest regions of the world, and they want to abandon this market and surrender it to the Giants. Of course, the Giants are going to be in favor of it, um, but it, it makes no sense from an MLB total strategy to surrender the East Bay. No, it doesn't. And I think one positive thing that's come out of this, regardless of how it all ends, is that it has killed the narrative that the A's fan base is not there or that they're not interested or whatever it is. Because like you look 2014, team had over 2 million, uh, just over 2 million seats sold. Okay, that's respectable. That's should be their goal every year is to hit that 2 million mark, right? It's been done. They sold out playoff games. They, you know, every every game, every home playoff game was sold out beyond regular season capacity. You know, they went into Raiders territory for seats. This is the fan base that got Eric Sogard almost the face of MLB in that stupid Twitter thing several years ago, right? This is an active, loyal, young fan base, right? The the I don't I can't speak for any other fan base, but I have to think just based on the number of times I hear people from the commissioner's office and stuff saying we need to appeal to younger people. We need to get millennials and gen Y and all that stuff. I have to think that most fan bases in the 29 other teams skew older. Right. And obviously we have older fans, you know, we've got the guys that have been here since 68 and everything, but you go that right field bleacher crew, they're all in their thirties and twenties and thirties and forties. Probably they've all got money and they're all spending it at those games. Yeah. You know, so it's like you we you've got exactly what you want right there in Oakland. Plus, you know, they're always they, they he's already come out and said we'd be stupid to leave Oakland. Oakland is a major league market. You know, right. they right. so what are you going to tell me you're going to get an expansion team? I don't see A's fans supporting an expansion team the way they support the A's, just like I don't see them following the A's to Vegas. It's the Oakland A's is the franchise, you know. But don't you think like the Ra the Raiders left, right? And people ask me all the time, like, well, how come you still follow the Raiders, but you wouldn't follow the A's? I think it's like kind of like a totally different situation. Mark Davis, we can debate about his ownership, if he's a good owner or a bad owner. Um, but the deal with the Raiders when they left was so complex. There was, there's not enough land in Oakland to support an NFL team, unless it's the current site. Um, so I think, Mark Davis looked at the situation and said, I got to go. Like I have to modernize. I got to go. And it broke my heart It because I was a diehard Raider fan. It shattered me. Um, 
I still follow the, the the Raiders, but it's not the same. To be honest, it's not the same. Um, the A's, they have all the money in the world. They they have a deal on the table. They have a city that's willing to negotiate. They have the land. They there's the the federal money for you know the train tracks and uh, shoreline erosion. Um, it's all there. The deal is there. I don't understand why they can't make the deal where, you know, Mark saw issues, Lake up saw issues in Oakland. They moved. I understand why they moved, even though it broke my heart. I, I, I got it. The A's there's really not a business. The, the smart business is in Oakland. Like it's ready for you. The timeline is faster. The opportunity is huge in Oakland right now. You're absolutely bringing a, a city back to where it could have been or should be. And this is, this would be the kickoff that downtown. When I was young, that was a place to go. Oakland was wonderful. You, you, I mean, you could go shopping, you had everything you needed in downtown Oakland and then little by little, it all started disappearing. It just, it was heartbreaking. Now you go back to the Raiders when they left. Well, they left the first time on my 18th birthday and I never looked back that really yeah me off a friend of mine was part owner. his dad was part owner of the Raiders they all wanted to stay in Oakland and it was uh they it was all over the luxury boxes and Pete Rosell told Mayor Wilson you don't have to do anything you don't have to give them what they want we're not going to let them leave and look what happened now Al Davis didn't want to leave but they forced their hand and like you're saying with Mark Davis I got to modernize but I could I tried to get back with the Raiders and they came back it's hard and, like and take a second, your girlfriend back after you broke up ain't happening. So yeah, and and I respect it. I respect everybody's opinion. You know, there's I have a friend, very close friend, uh, that says even if the A's stay in Oakland, as long as John Fisher's the owner of the A's, he don't he don't want to come back. So even if the A's stay in Oakland, even if you know the city of Oakland works this deal out, I know there. I see it on Twitter. I know the the. You know, I'll say the fight isn't really over because John Fisher's not fit to be an MLB owner. If all of this is too expensive for his blood, if it's too rich, then you, you shouldn't own a team, right? right. You shouldn't. If it's too pay? expensive, get out. What did he do? He paid $160 million for the franchise a few years back, right? Yeah. And he stands, for, according to Forbes, the value of the athletics is $1.125 billion now. As is right now, as is <laughs> so, uh, $900 million profit and sell it and get out. Well, and then I think too, if he was to get a deal done in, in Oakland on Monday, he would have uh, a for sale sign on the front lawn by Tuesday, and it would be, be worth more, be, yeah, because then it'll be worth one and a half billion or two billion or whatever. You know, like he is going to sell it, I think, the second he's got that extra little last bit of leverage. Cause this has got to be making him miserable. He is a man who is aware of his legacy. You know, he's a Bay area guy with, you know, Bay area roots with his family for all those years. He's aware of his legacy. He knows that regardless of how things turn out in Oakland, he can't step foot in front of a, an Oakland A's fan ever again. <laughs> so if you get no joy from it and you can sell it for a billion dollar profit, just get out and leave. But exactly. I think the problem comes down to, I think, honestly, just the way they're acting, and, and this could totally be wrong, and I maybe I don't know enough about finance, but I think he can't afford to 
leverage anything to get the financing for this team. I think you're absolutely right. I, you I know, don't think his net worth is worth as as much as it was when he bought the team. I mean, they talk. You know, you talk about. You can look online and see exactly how many shares and gap he owns, and it's a lot. It's considered it's hundreds of thousands of shares or whatever. Yeah, but if you look at the stock where it is now, or it was you're right. If you look over the last two years, it's down like seventy five percent or whatever. That's that's big. But you're still talking like even if he lost all of that money, he's still a billionaire. You know, it's supposedly. Right. But he's got nothing to leverage. He's already got a loan out against the A's and the earthquakes. And so, and it's harder to get real estate loans right now. The costs for building the stadium has gone up considerably since they started this process five or six years ago. So all these things are mounting up. I think the the real problem is, is that if they don't get the number down low enough, right? And that's why they're going for $500 million from Vegas or whatever. If they don't get the number down to a flat billion or whatever the number is, he can't afford to to get the loans out to get this done. Well, and without, well, well today they're saying what the, the the there was some Twitter stuff right before we hopped on that said that the difference could possibly be like 75, 80 million dollars. And what Casey Pratt was reporting that it was 88 million dollars that was separating the A's and and the city from from getting a deal done on a thing, much larger site. <laughs> the thing with the city, though, is with Oakland. Just abandon some of the extra development. You know, they were arguing about they were arguing about how many affordable homes they had to build. Right. Don't build the homes. Build right. the stadium, build your hotel or whatever. Like do something there just so it has some that extra value and, and brings you in revenue that you can put into the team. But you didn't have to do the whole the whole thing at once. If you've got the land and you're the only ones that can build on it, just wait. Build the condos 10 years from now when you've recouped some of the money you know, or you've sold the team or whatever, but you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to negotiate the whole project all at once. And I think that's kind of a grave error they made. Uh, when I found out that they were quibbling over how many affordable homes to do, it's like you're building a stadium. Apartment complexes should not be a factor right now. Get the money for the stadium built. Everything else can follow later. Well, this whole thing has been kind of like you could make a movie called Laurel and Hardy build the ballpark. It's <laughs> I mean, watching these two guys, and I, you know, I ran a business for 25 years and I, I'm just aghast at some of the decisions these guys make. I'm like, okay, Dave, you went to Stanford. Did you learn anything? And you, you ran a failed baseball league and traveled and looked at all these other ballparks and then become president of the A's. What business experience have you ever had? Yeah. It hey, Tony, me. I got it. I got a question for you about Dave Cavill. We, okay. we talked about it a little bit off air. Uh, you interviewed him about a year ago. Yeah. Um, reflecting back on that interview in the present moment, how do you think and feel now? My opinion of David actually shifted before that interview. Cause when he came in, I got fooled just like a lot of A's fans. He was, he was saying the right things to us. He was, you know, making improvements to the ballpark, all that stuff. I was roped in because I thought, well, this guy seems like he's got it together. And it's like, well, you knew how to you knew how to put lipstick on a pig is what he ultimately ended up doing. Um, my opinion of him had faded over that time leading up to that interview. And I had talked to him. Except for the pandemic years, I think we've had an interview with each. With, I've had an interview with him every single season he's been president. 
Mm-hmm. Like the first time I talked to him was three weeks in or whatever. And then he did my, I did a thing with him at FanFest. He did my podcast at the time. We did a print interview and we did that one. So I've talked to him four or five times at length. And each time I've talked to him, it's been, you know, his assistant will say, you get 15 minutes and he'll give me 45. We just keep talking, which when you look back at the interview that you're talking about, which is on this mm-hmm. YouTube page, if, if you're the six people that haven't seen it, um, if you listen to it, and I told a friend this at the time, you can almost tell when he's calculating how much damage will it do if I just hang up the phone, you know, because he kept going in a spin and, and you, I, you really saw that if you took him off script, he is of no content at all. He mm-hmm. knows what his talking points are and, and that's it. You can't get him off script. And it's so it's nothing but deflection and spin. And I said in my article today, he's like a second term congressperson. He knows just enough to know that he needs to stay on topic, you know. And so no matter what the question is, if you ask him what color the sky is and he only knows what color grass is, he will flip it to where he can tell you it's green. Um, that interview happened the same day that him and Damon Bruce, who's a, a Bay Area radio. Well, now he's a YouTube guy. Um him and Welcome Damon to Bruce, the club, Damon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if if you're a follower of his, you should follow me as well. Um, For so sure. He got in a fight on Twitter with with Damon Bruce because Damon's made some uh, uh, statements or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, tweets, kind of criticizing him. David said that's not how accurate, and and Bruce said, "Come on my show and tell me then." Sit right. Down I remember this. And and Cavill had turned it into this whole like weird. Oh, why don't you come down to the Coliseum on Wednesday at 3.30 and we'll have Elon Musk moderate a debate. <laughs> and he tagged Elon Musk that. in it. And it's like, first off, that's a little clout chasey to be tagging Elon Musk in it. Secondly, you've been invited to a radio interview by a radio journalist. Damon Bruce is not uh, required to debate you. The onus of getting a message through is not on the journalist, Right. It, to, you debate someone who takes a contrary position. Damon Bruce is not taking any position at all. Theoretically, right. he is trying to get information out of you, truthful information, especially on a on a radio station that used to, uh, you know, broadcast your flagship games. station, right? <laughs> so he did that. That was like uh, that morning, and then he did my interview that afternoon, and it wasn't live streamed, so it, it took a little while to get that going. Um, so he did my interview the, the afternoon, and then that evening was the Giants A's game where he got in an online fight with a fake Seagull parody account. Yeah, this I, is all in the course of this, this is all in the course of like 16 hours. All that happened, and since then he's almost virtually disappeared from Twitter. Until he the infamous uh, Golden Knights video and just burned whatever equity he had with the Oakland fan. The Oakland right, fan exactly just, just torched it. So he he pops on every now and then to say ducks on the pond or to show his seats from the from the stadium, and then that's it. And then in the last few weeks, I don't even think he's done that much. I think there's been like two retweets of uh, an A's post, and that's about it. So it's just enough for you to know he is on Twitter, he is watching, he is seeing, and he's this. Twitter banning. He's he's complaining to Twitter and banning A's fans for calling him so? out on his nonsense. You think so? No, he did. Right, Phil will. Rightfield Will got banned? Yeah, dude. He So Rightfield Will had a post. 
I will I want to say about a week ago, and he goes, I'm back from Twitter jail. And some folks asked him comments like, what happened? And he goes, I insulted Dave. <laughs> so I hate it, it happens. And there's other people. Will, if you're people. watching next week, has some open slots for you to join me. I want to talk about that. I'm telling you, man, it happened. Uh, and it's happening to other people, too. Jay in the chat says that. he changed his background from Oakland to a blank base. We talked about that last week because I think it happened the day we went live last week that he's already distancing himself from the Oakland, from Oakland. which yeah. I get because you're negotiating with Vegas. So you don't want all these Vegas people um, to be saying, well, you're still advertising Oakland or whatever, but it's like, you are still the president of the Oakland days until you have left the locker room. You're still the president of the Oakland days. So you should exactly. be leaning into that. So my impression, going back to your question, short story long. Um, when I got off of that interview, First off, I thought, like I said, there were several times I know he wanted to hang up on me. And then I thought, he's never going to answer my call again. And I actually thought that about halfway through. You can see the moment in the interview where I, because I'm on video, you can see the moment on the in the interview where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Because like I knew I was going to ask him the tough questions, but I didn't know I was going to keep pushing him. And at some point, like you, you just hear the same lie over and over and over again, and I can't slap him. So you just got to keep pushing them, you know? And so there's like a moment where I'm like, I'm just not going to let this go because like, I've got the receipts, you know, he's trying to tell me the season ticket prices actually went down. I've got the receipts. I've got people sending me DMS uh, telling me that their price doubled and you can't twist right. that, you know? And so uh, he went from the, the guy who's going to save the A's to, I'm not so sure about this guy to forget this guy i'm done with him you can't take a word that he says as truth and that has been the prevalent uh mindset i've had in the year since like there's nothing he can say that i would believe the fact that he is going on las vegas television and telling them that the site uh west of i-15 was the perfect site. It's exactly what they wanted. It had everything they needed to be a success. It's exactly what the fans wanted. And then like three days later, they backed out of that deal to go to where, you know, to the Bally's Tropicana thing. You just can't trust them. It, it goes beyond. I'm trying to put out the best face for the team. And it's just straight lies and it's self-serving. And I wrote that in my piece today that he is, he is working on the benefit of his LinkedIn profile he does not care about this team. He does not care about this fan base. He does not care about the community or the local media or anything here or in Las Vegas. He is only looking to build a big league stadium so he can put it on his profile and go to his next job. And that's my it. You know, my impression of what came out of the uh, news today with the uh, legislature saying, yeah, we're not going to give you that much. It's like maybe they're hoping they're just going to go away. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like, you know, they, and one of the reasons they did that was because of their, well, no, I want here, here, over here. No, over here, here. It's like, okay, what are you guys doing? You already did this in Fremont, San Jose, Oakland, Oakland, now here in Vegas. <laughs> you know, you guys can't make up your mind on anything. I think there's I, an element. I think there's an element of uh, why should we get in business with this guy? You're not putting your best face forward if you're doing parallel paths and then on each parallel path, you've got two options. I, I told him once uh, 
when he first announced the parallel paths thing, I said, what you're doing is you're standing at the altar with one woman and you're slipping a ring on another woman behind your back. What was you know, his response? <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he he totally it was it was oh Tony, you're just you're misrepresenting it. That's not how it is, blah, 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 blah. He's got no meaningful response to that, but that's exactly what it is. You can't say your vows to one woman while you're messing around with another one and claim that you're in a you know in a in a in a stable relationship with the one you married. And that's exactly what he's doing. And I think if Vegas is looking at the way they've behaved in Vegas, and they've had a year, they've had a year and they flip-flopped so many times on in the home stretch in these last 20 or 30 days or whatever it is. If you're a Vegas congressperson or legislature or whatever they call them there, if you're in that legislature, you have to at least be considering that. No matter how good a deal you think it is for Las Vegas, you have to be considering, A, these guys are bailing on one community where they had a deal done. So there's no guarantee that they're going to stay here or, or work with us in good faith or that they're currently negotiating in good faith Two, they are completely rudderless. They're flopping all over the place with no direction at all. And then three, they have a Republican governor. Um, but the legislature, both branches of the legislature are, uh, Democrat majorities and Nevada Democrats are fiscally conservative. They do not want to throw more money than is necessary at anything, particularly these kinds of projects. And, and, and they're also looking at the Sony uh, move from Hollywood to Las Vegas that they're going to throw some money at there too. So, and yeah, they have more worthwhile projects. If they are going to focus on on these kinds of projects, they have more worthwhile projects to to look into, and they've got other issues that money could be better diverted to. And um, so you've got this Democratic legislature who the Republicans in the legislature will go with their governor. He's a brand new governor. They're going to go that direction. They're going to support their their party and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's probably the Democrats that are coming out and making the, the, the bill lower. You know, we haven't officially heard what the governor is willing to sign off on or, or anything like that. But just based on what I've talked to in people in Las Vegas, it could be the Democrats that are actually bringing the number down. And they have to at least be a little bit conscious of the fact that Fisher and his family are profound donors to their opposition. So that could also be something that, like, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but that could also be something that if you spent your entire career funding the opposition and now you're going to them asking for, you know, half a million dollars or $400 million or whatever the price du jour is, that has to also be a factor in like, do I want this guy coming into town and then just funneling a ton of money to my, to, to the person running against me in the next election? Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in Vegas that uh, could be playing against the A's and they've done themselves no favors. They could have overcome all that if they knew what they were doing, if they'd even done it the way they did it in California, because in California, they got the legislature to change the laws and they got all these bills passed and they got all the lawsuits cleared and they got all this progress. They did it right in California for until they stopped doing it right in California. And that's what leads me to believe that there's a money issue. Since we're on the topic of politicians, uh, our politicians here, our governor and whatnot, they've been silent. And they, you know, the governor has been silent for us and, and that's, I was, I'm glad you brought that up, Eric. I was, I was, confused by that too for quite some time why why is 
the Las Vegas governor, the Nevada governor, so hands on with this deal and ours is not. (laughs) It just seems kind of like a big deal to just let an MLB franchise walk out of your state. Well, I think when the when the build back better money or whatever what that thing was, the infrastructure money that, that was being divvied out with the states, I think, and I could be wrong, that Newsom had said that, you know, some of that money could go towards keeping the A's in the state. But that was two two years ago now. You know, that's it's and a lot has developed and there's been nothing since. But from what I understand, when he made that comment, I, I thought I read something I you know, uh, this was a couple years ago, but I thought I read something that what he was saying is um, there's like federal and state grants that would go towards, you know, paving streets, plumbing, uh, erosion of the shoreline. Yeah. Um, and th- those were grants that the city of Oakland could apply for because that was going to be infrastructure that the city needs regardless, you know, and that having a mega development deal like like a stadium and the surrounding neighborhoods would qualify it for those things. So I, I thought I read something that clarified what he was right and, by that. And, and that was and state and federal grants. When you've got state grants and federal grants like that, it has to be spent on a specific thing. You can't take Correct. an infrastructure thing and build a hotel. It has right. to be spent on those specific things. But that's all the A's supposedly wanted. Remember, this is a privately financed stadium. All they wanted was the shoreline uh, uh, infrastructure built up the streets, the railroad mitigation, all that kind of stuff. That's that, that was infrastructure cost. That's supposedly what all this money was supposed to go to because they are privately funding the uh, park. I don't understand where all that money needs to come from in Vegas when you are on somebody else's land. And it's also worth noting that Bally's is giving them up to $175 million. <laughs> on top of the free land, on top of whatever Vegas and Nevada end up giving them. So they're getting all this money. It's starting to sound less and less like a privately financed ballpark. You know, they're getting they're getting money all left and right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I I'm still in shock that MLB hasn't come out and commented this late in the game one way or the other. Um, but I, at the same time, I don't expect anything less from, from Manfred. Like he's a terrible spokesman of baseball, (laughs) just a terrible spokesman, uh, to, to advance the game. You finally have a seat. You're coming off of the world baseball classic. It seems like these new rules are being embraced. The pace of the game, it seems like there's excitement and you have this situation in a massive media market and you can't even package this up nice nicely you can't even comment on this you, you no words the the silence is deafening <laughs> the, the only time you hear from him is all-star game world series uh the world baseball classic last you know a few months ago those are the only times you ever hear from him. you never get a comment from him on a wednesday in may it's always when there's a big event that he has to come out and actually meet the press Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's so frustrating. J-Rub been... says, does anyone know what his so-called ownership stake is? I do not. And I asked him and he wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't even confirm that he has an ownership stake, but we all know he does. Um, but yeah, he would not tell me what the ownership stake is. 
How do you guys feel about Billy Bean? Because he has an ownership stake at this point, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah he has for a long time. I think that's the only thing yeah. that's kept him here for the last decade, right. probably. Yeah, that when he was going to go to Boston, I think that was one of the things that kept him here. Um, Billy, you know, love him or hate him, he's, he did a pretty good job uh, when the other two ownership groups uh, were here, uh, Shot Hoffman and Wolf. Uh, well, Wolf is but, still here. He's still in yeah, the ownership group, but yeah, yeah, he is, but he isn't as uh, big of a. He's not the president as, anymore, right? Um, he did a pretty good job, and I was thinking about that. What you know? What what is his feelings on this? Is he does he feel this is a good move or not? I don't know. I'd love to hear from him. I'd like to hear from anybody else in the ownership group. It's not just those three guys, but you really haven't heard anything from any of the ownership group, and I don't know how to get a hold of them, and they're not going to talk to me anyway, but. You know, it'd be nice if somebody was able to get a hold of those guys and, and be like, as minority shareholders, how do you feel about this? Because they all bought into the Oakland A's. Right. And presumably they've all got local root like Billy Bean does. You know, he's he's got he's established in the Bay Area now. You know, he was an Oakland A. Right. Right. I remember watching him in 89. He uh, it's funny. We used to sit around. He was like our little fan favorite for a while. <laughs> He'd sit around the lunch table, listen to the game and. Oh, we had like bean ball and all this stuff yeah. back when he was a player. Oh, we liked him, but he didn't perform no. as well as he was hyped to be. It's tough that he hasn't said anything. And like I've said a hundred times, John Fisher has gotten to the point that he is at now because being enforced have made him look like a genius because they're so good at their job that under his tenure, he's been into the postseason half the time. You know, I just, I just find a horrible it- bankroll. Absolutely. I just find it crazy that last year they were what fourth, fifth top in uh revenue, 50, 50 million dollars or something like that, that they profited. You know, where's that money? Uh, because you that didn't was actually, put it into the minor league system. Forbes actually came out and and redid those numbers after that article came. They were more like 15, which is still middle of the pack for, for a team that spent the least and won the fewest games. It's still exactly. pretty good. Right. <laughs> But where's where's that money? Where's the revenue sharing from previous years? I know there was an interruption in revenue sharing for some time, and then the A's got back on it. But where's the previous revenue sharing? Where's where's the money from when you did have good attendance straws and you were making the playoffs? Like we know about the the lunch, uh, the lunches they were giving our minor league players. Um, the only team to lay off its minor league players, and then you know, have to bring them back because I believe it was Billy Bean. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Billy Bean said, Hey, this is a bad look. You know, you pay your minor leaguers. Um, All of, all of that stuff just feeds into, I think what you were saying earlier, Tony, is that Fisher strapped for cash. He, he doesn't have as much liquidity as, uh, as he should as a billionaire. The thing is, too, if you're getting $50 million in revenue share, whatever the number is, and you're putting – so that's supposed to be in addition to your your payroll. You're supposed right. to put that money back in the team. So you can't get $50 million in revenue share and put out a $55 million payroll. That's not that's not doing your share. You should also be putting in 50, and now you've got a $100 million payroll. And so for years, he's been – getting away with basically just putting the revenue share and just almost nothing of the team's own money back into payroll. 
And that's really not how it was intended to be. It was supposed to supplement you so that you could add $50 million to your revenue, uh, to your payroll, not replace 50 million of your dollars in revenue. So he's been doing that all along. And that's what rubbed baseball the wrong way the whole time. I would imagine is that he wasn't using it to actually improve the team. He was just using it so he'd have to pay less. Absolutely. Steve, uh, Eric in the chat says, Steve Kawa, the mediator they chose, was Gavin Newsom's chief of staff as mayor of San Francisco and is married to a former Gap executive. So I guess a conflict of interest on both sides cancels it out, I guess. But that's a yeah, weird... Major. The whole, thing, the whole thing smells fishy. No yeah. I, <laughs> you know, Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco. And sometimes when you start to connect these dots, um, you, it gets it. You start, you know, you start getting on the path of, of a conspiracy theorist, you know, because uh, I as this has come out, I've looked up. uh you know, the, the if you look up on the uh, Oakland A's board, there's like this uh, Sandy Dean, um, Lou Wolf is still listed. Lou Wolf's son is listed um, on the board of uh, athletics. Um, and then you start looking at those guys' resumes and you, you start looking at the history of their businesses and it's all shady businesses. It's all shady stuff. Um, and... I just question why does baseball want to be in business with John Fisher? Because baseball's it, shady too. Yeah, exactly. They're they're actively they're at this moment they are actively getting into business with the casino. The same people that banned Pete Rose from baseball because he gambled are now actively getting in bed with the casino and and giving them incredible leverage over a baseball team. Because it's not that they're just letting them have the land. They're letting them have the land for free. They're giving them $175 million. They've got this, uh, you know, this, this, this whole deal wrapped up around, we're going to build our whole new casino and hotel around you guys. They are getting into bed with Las Vegas and the gambling community right now. The whole thing is crooked because it's all crooked. It's crooked and crooked and crooked. I understand that if you go to a Cincinnati Reds game, you can actually place bets inside the stadium. I think there's a lot of places you can do that now. I mean, the irony is just unbelievable. So Absolutely. then what are, what are we going to get? So the, the A's go to Vegas and they get to the World Series and they're the underdogs and they're leading and some mystery outfielder that we've, you know, to be named later drops a critical ball and the other team wins. And now that casino makes a ton of money because of, for all the people that, you know, whatever, that's going to immediately cause – uh, scrutiny and, and people questioning the legitimacy of the game immediately. Say shades, shades of the natural right there at the end of the, uh, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jay in the chat says, let's talk about the Melman group who did the poll in Vegas. The stupid poll that I talked about at the beginning, things yeah. that make you go, Hmm, did the A's hire the, uh, them in Oakland to go against their own project to justify the move? Just a theory. Now this is something that, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but the Melman group who did this stupid poll in Vegas that is completely meaningless is also the group that supposedly did all the polling uh, against Howard Terminal in Oakland. So the A's hired. Now, this could be nothing because this this uh, 
this group is their whole purpose is to create polls and and studies and stuff that will give you the talking points you need to get your project over the finish line. Uh, Casey Pratt posted their website and did some highlighting on, on their who we are kind of thing. And that's their entire thing. If you want to build a cookie stand in Times Square, they will devise a poll and, and pick an audience that will get you the results to get you to get that approved. So it may not be so ne as nefarious as some people are saying that the A's also hired them to fight against them in Howard Terminal because, and the only reason I think that it's maybe not as nefarious as people say is they have dumped a ton of money into this between legislation and lobbying and fighting lawsuits and actually acquired, you know, they acquired half the property at the Oakland Coliseum site, all this stuff. They have dumped a ton of money into, into uh, Oakland. So to fight against their, to pay somebody to fight against their own interest that they've dropped supposedly $2 million a month in for the last two years or whatever it is, whatever it's been at this point seems far-fetched, but as far as optics go, it is kind of shady to, to hire the same group that you've been supposedly fighting their propaganda <laughs> on, on the other thing. It's like, I don't know. It just makes no sense. They asked. No, nothing out of this makes, makes sense of what the A's plans are. It's all just this misguided you know, there's no plan. It just, it, it's a farce, you know? And I think that's what's so confusing with Ace fans is nothing makes sense. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I said it once and I was like, they, people are coming out thinking that these guys are playing three dimensional chess, but we're all sitting in front of a monopoly board. It's like, you're, we're not playing the same game. Like you can't, you can't be saying like, you know, that they, they're so, they're three steps ahead of us. Like, no, they, they have, lucked into a few things and then they've totally screwed up everything else. No, they, uh, they, they, they show their inexperience at every move. It, mm -hmm. it, it's like he hired Caval on the cheap. I don't know. It just, the guy just, he's outmatched by Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know, what's interesting about Cavill is like, he, he got, he got the A's job because of the earthquakes job yeah. and this whole commentary of uh, Fisher's going to, build a winner and, and keep players when they get the stadium. Uh, it hasn't happened with the earthquakes. No, nope. you know, it was the same argument and they got the stadium. They got a good deal and it's a beautiful stadium. It's beautiful. But it's just gorgeous. like this, just like this site um, that they've got picked out in Vegas, it's practically on an airport runway. So it's super loud and you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you can't have fireworks there either. So yeah. thanks for that. So I, I don't know if they – I think that's the thing that concerns me is I I don't know if they can get a deal done anywhere. <laughs> well, you got to wonder about that. Like they are – their lease is up at the end of next season in Oakland. They need to get some kind of binding agreement by the end of this year to, to stay on revenue shares. So let's say that this Vegas thing doesn't fall through and they're not able to get a binding agreement by January 1st or whatever the deadline is. It's sometime at the end of the next season. What do they do? They're homeless. They've, they're broke because they are 100% reliant on that revenue share. They've already lost all their leverage. They have no leverage in Oakland. They have no leverage in Las Vegas. And 
Yeah, th- that's the thing. Is uh, is it at that point that Manfred forces a sell? Like, why are we waiting until the bomb drops when we could have shot the planes out of the sky, you know, 200 miles ago? I don't understand what what is in it for Manfred. And like I wrote, to, somebody came into my tweets today and and said, you know, the, the commissioner works for the owners. So he's always going to bow down to them. And billionaires sympathize with billionaires. And that's true to a point. But that's not how it was intended to be. The commissioner's office was supposed to work on behalf of baseball, right? So sometimes the players hated the commissioner. Sometimes the owners hated the commissioner. Nobody hated their commissioner more than Charlie Finley did in the 70s. That guy was up Charlie's ass all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Well, he, he was largely responsible for their for further damaging the A's by not letting Charlie trade and buy players to restock his farm system. He, he blocked them at every move and I sympathize with Charlie and that, 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 and I don't just don't see how man, well, I'm getting off track here, but to what you're saying, uh, Manfred doesn't give a damn. The owners are the ones that are going to get hurt. If this continues, their revenues are going to slip because when they come bring their team to Oakland, they're not getting anything. Yeah. So there's where the pressure could come from. That's where it came from with Charlie a little bit. It was really his divorce that put him over the edge. But I, I can see the pressure starting to mount from the other owners if this keeps up. He's got to go. Well, that's the thing. Is like Manfred may work for the owners, but it's his job to convince them that he's right. You know, with as the president of anything, a business, a country, whatever, it's your job to go to the people you represent and say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and this is why it's right. And you may disagree with me, but this is why I'm doing it. This is my rationale. This is how it's going to benefit us. This is how, this is the path to whatever, wherever we're going. That's his job. So instead of just doing nothing and, and, and hoping that the owners just let him keep being commissioner, he needs to make the case. He needs to be able to say, look, this whole thing in Oakland is out of control. Um, John Fisher needs to go. I'm going to force a sale, and this is why it's better for all of us. Because if we let him stay, X, Y, and Z happens. But if we get him out and get a stadium and get some local Oakland owners and build a stadium in Oakland, X, Y, Z will happen. That's his job. It's not just to do whatever the owners say. It's You might be representing their best interests, but you have to let them know what their best interests are sometimes. And that's where he's afraid, I think, to actually say, your best interest is to force John Fisher out. Somebody in the chat here, uh, Peter, says, what do you truly think it would take Manfred to force a sale? It would have to come out that Fisher either um, sexually assaulted someone or used the N-word. That Ultimately, that's the only thing that's going to let him out. Um, because if it gets to the point where Fisher can't afford it, he'll have to sell. He won't need to be pressured into it. He'll have to sell. But I or think the only aren't as good as he says. Like McCourt. I missed the first part. What'd you say? Well, like with McCourt, he didn't have the money to run the team anymore. So is Fisher in this position now? We don't know really. And that's the thing. Like I could see Manfred saying, Hey, if you can't afford to do this stadium and you can't afford to pay the payroll, you need to get, we'll help you find some buyers. But that's different than saying you've got 30 days to sell this team. You know, like that's different than forcing him out. Advising him is different. He may have already advised him and Fisher might be taking or ignoring that advice. 
But uh, I guess my my fear is like, you know, Bud Sillig was the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, right? And yeah. from what I remember or reading about when he was owner, like they weren't a very good franchise under under Bud Sillig. So no. we basically like Bud Sillig was a John Fisher. And then John, you know, and then Bud Sillig said, hey, Rob Manfred would make a really good commissioner. And then they appointed Dave Cavill. So Manfred's the Cavill after, you know, so you got you got clowns, you know, running the circus. And I mean, you got to remember, too, that the only reason Lou Wolf and John Fisher became owners of this team was because Lou Wolf was, was a frat brother of right. Bud Selig. So, like, that whole thing is crooked from the top. They had offers from other owners, but, you know, Lou well, Lacob, right? We know about Joe Lacob having the standing offer for the A's. And I think we know what the Warriors have accomplished um, with with Joe Lacob. And I think that's like a dream scenario of A's fans is because that instant equity of an owner that would be committed to winning. Um, at the same time, as much as we would dream of that, and and embrace that i think teams you know a team like the giants would not want that because they, they they've been it's a threat before so they don't want that again you know th that would be a threat you know to the giants because if 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 joe lacob if on monday joe lacob was announced as the new owner of the a's on tuesday that game would be sold out Absolutely. <laughs> it would Absolutely. be sold out it would be sold out the next day you get A's fans from Vegas flying in to buy tickets for that team. <laughs> yeah. I was at the game against the Mariners in 1980 when they announced over the PA that uh, Walter Haas had bought the A's from Charlie Finley. And the whole stadium stood up and applauded. And, man, it just took off after that. I even bought a season ticket plan the next, the next year, and I was still in high school. Uh, that's how excited we were. It was it was phenomenal. The the vibe in the stadium as soon as Finley was gone was just like this place is alive. It's no longer the mausoleum. It's the Coliseum, and this is where it is to be. It was just it was uh, something I just can't really explain. You had to be there, and I was yeah. fortunate that I was. And that could happen again. I wasn't alive then, so I can't relate. But if you if you <laughs> if you wanted the World Series parade that they never got in 1989. Announcing that John Fisher had sold the team would probably get you there. People would be, I mean, the streets of Oakland would fill up with fans. Definitely. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. like a, it's like a it's like the munchkins coming out when you drop the house on the witch, you know. It's like you know? and it's not just, you know, it's not just Oakland, it's the entire East Bay. Like it is a huge region of people that would come in on bar, yeah. driving in, you know, the, the locals walking in. Um you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the Howard Terminal site. If it does happen, I think that's the site that I'm hopeful for. But at this juncture, I'm kind of like, you know, if it's the current site, it's the current site. But something else, it's something else. That's uh, what I've always thought. It's like Howard Terminal would be beautiful. You could build a beautiful park there. Jack London Square would be revitalized, and it's a cool area anyway. But it would have you know some growth and everything. But I would also be thrilled with the current site. I mean, yeah. it's better for traffic and getting in and out and more convenient for people that don't live in Oakland. They got Bart but, right there. Yeah, but that's never been a legitimate plan B to them. And that's your most logical. Your, your parallel path the whole time should have been the current site. Especially when you it? bought half of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and they just like, they both say, yeah, well, it's just not a, a proper site for a ball club. I, I explain to me why you feel that way. That's what I, I've been waiting for. It's like, okay. And nothing. Yeah. To say like, Oh, well it's been there for 50 years and no one's built a bar next door. Then build the bar. Yeah. Well, there that's what places. you want to do in Howard terminal. There were some places uh, back in the old days that you could go to. There were restaurants and the Hofbrau down there. There were places to go, but little by little, they all disappeared. Yeah. And but it the it for an investment looking. I mean, if I were a businessman, which I'm not anymore, but I look at that as this is this is a, a got just wonderful opportunity to be rebuilt, build the stadium, build build like a Wrigleyville around it. You could do that on the. A lot less expensive than you're going to look at the Howard Terminal project. And I think it would take off. And I think the neighborhood would improve from I may be wrong, but that's how I feel. Now, you could build a parking garage there and tear down Oracle. And you would have so much land there. It's like twice or more than that. I think uh, I think it's 120 acres, maybe. Howard Terminal was like 50 or something like that. Uh, it's a ton of land that they, they could develop. You can't complain that it's 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 never developed when it's like well why would it for years and years you had Malibu next door yep. and then you've got really no room on the other side on the uh, north side of it to to develop anything everything else would have been across the freeway which i think was Lou Wolf's idea was to incorporate what ended up being that Walmart that's now not there um then do it yourself to say that we can't build at the current site because it's not because it hasn't developed into this like whole uh, uh, metropolitan center, but then to go say, but Howard Terminal is the place we want to be, which is not a metropolitan center. You're going to have to build that into what you want. Build what you want at, at Oakland Coliseum. And it's, you know, they um, could have cheaper. It would be cheaper. It would be faster. They could probably have shovels in the dirt, as they like to say, in half the time. Definitely. Yeah, you can build on the current site. You can build a new stadium or, or start building the new stadium on, on the parking lot. And then, uh, you know, you get that built, you take out the old stadium and Oracle, you start building some infrastructure. It, it would take stages, yeah, but you would be clear. You know, the, the runway would be clear to land on that. Yeah. Um, it'd, it'd be inconvenient for a few years to be really great for a lot longer. Absolutely. It's just, but they have a history of, you know, the, the Laney site, the Fremont site, the San Jose site, and now the Las Vegas sites is you, you announce these locations without a really thought out plan. And we've seen these renderings and we're seeing renderings now. It just seems like, um, chaos. I don't, mean, don't forget, chaos. Uh, don't forget Coliseum city. I think <laughs> there was a Lake Merritt somewhere in there at one point. Like it's just been one proposed site that they didn't have the, the plans or the rights to have in the first place after another. There was even talk once of putting <laughs> putting it over Highway 980. Oh my God! Bridging over. <laughs> well, I remember. The I remember the gondolas. I remember hearing Cavill <laughs> talk about the gondolas going over the freeway. <laughs> so in the chat, Ginger, who's one of my favorite people, says uh, other owners would have to speak up for Manfred to force a sale. You'd think. Uh, all the bad national press would have done it by now. This is embarrassing. You would think that's one thing that you can say about this um, whole thing is that it has shifted the narrative on a national level. Nobody 
it was like on Monday night, the reporters from the other team would tweet out a picture 10 minutes before first pitch and say, look, nobody's at the A's game. A's suck. Tuesday night, Cavill announces they're going to bail and go to Vegas. Wednesday night, that same national reporter is tweeting out that same picture going, look what John Fisher and Dave Cavill have done. Like overnight, the narrative of it's the fans shifted to this is a response to the bad ownership. Um, and you would think that the the other teams would be tired of of having that hanging over their head. Especially if you're a team like the Rays who are going through similar issues with their stadium search. And uh, Eric says, people are saying Manfred won't pressure Fisher, but he already did. And the Athletic reported he agreed to use relocation as a threat and wanted to after Laney. I didn't read that article, but it doesn't surprise me. To a site, he never had any agreement to anything. No. no sense. I'm going to yeah, build I mean, a hot dog stand in the middle of Main Street in Disneyland. There, I've, there, I've announced it. What could go wrong? Well, Walt's not selling you the land. So. <laughs> well, then I need a parallel path in Universal Studios. Um <laughs> Peter says, I've also been a huge Sacramento Kings fan since the late 90s, and even I was surprised David Stern really stepped in. I don't think Manfred would ever step in unless he gets enough pressure from other owners. That's true. There is precedent if you look at other leagues for the commissioner's office to kind of come in and be like, get your act together. Well, don't they need three quarters of the owners to vote yes on this? Yeah. I just don't see that happening. That's the thing is you need three quarters of the owners – Las Vegas, uh, the Raiders only got the yes in Las Vegas by one vote. So you only need one more no vote than Las Ve- than the Raiders got to kill Las Vegas. So like they've got a lot of very tight votes to actually get this done. Because I don't uh, think you get SoCal. I don't think you get any of the SoCal teams. I don't think I you don't get Arizona. So. I don't think you, I don't think you get Colorado. I don't yeah. even think you get the Texas teams. Um, and then you just look at the the National League. Anybody in the National League West, I don't think you're 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 going to support that because you're surrendering that to the Giants. Um, at that point, they've already lost the vote. So, yeah. so I I don't see why an owner would even vote yes. Um, it just it doesn't make any sense. I don't I don't see it either. No, if Unless you I, get if Tony you get a yes vote from the Dodgers in particular, who somebody in the comment stream pointed out that the Dodgers have opened up a team store in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how solid their fan base is in Las Vegas. Um, if you get a yes vote from them, then there is some backdoor back back mm-hmm. you know dealing. The most the money that that baseball could make is you leave the A's in Oakland, you get an expansion team, and not just Las Vegas, but probably some other market to keep it an even number. So then you have two expansion teams paying whatever fee uh, to get into the league. That gets divvied up with the current owners in baseball. Um, there's more money in expansion in keeping baseball teams in their in their current markets. That's right. that's beneficial for the league for for the entirety of baseball is not to abandon markets. So again, it's just baffling no. <laughs> that we're here. The current total is like two point four billion dollars. Right, right. So, so two two expansions because they'll expand it by two. Two expansion teams will will get five billion dollars split among thirty teams. Right. Even the A's would have a better benefit from waiting for expansion. Than exactly. Moving. Where MLB is saying, "Oh, we're going to waive the relocation fee for the A's," so you're just you're not going to collect that money. 
and you're Oakland is not going to be an expansion team because then the Giants are going, well, that's our territory. Right. They yep. vacated. It's ours now. Nobody what, can go there. What ownership group would want to go into Oakland after two decades of being told Oakland's a bad baseball market? Right. I, I just don't I don't see the I don't see anybody coming in and saying we're going to do a franchise, you know, expansion in in Oakland. Yeah. Peter also says moving the team sets a detrimental precedent for the future of the MLB. If blaming attendance gives you the option of moving the team, then what stops other owners from ripping teams away? Exactly. I saw that point on Twitter. Might have been Peter that made it, but it's like if if you don't want to if you don't want to play in Baltimore anymore, just tank your team for a few years until attendance is down to three thousand a night and move. Well, the A's only drew three hundred and six thousand fans in nineteen seventy nine, and then over eight hundred into the following year when they were sold. So it, it just again, it just it can be done. Absolutely. Uh, Peter asks, still no word whether or not relocation fee will be waived, correct? No, it is absolutely waived. Uh, Manford came out and said it, and he does not need um, – that's completely at his discretion. He doesn't need the the uh, teams to vote on that is what I'm told. I haven't gone through the bylaws myself, but I trust my source on that one. And then Ginger says, I want to believe they are doing the legwork for Vegas expansion, but they're managing to screw that up too. That's what I've been saying all along. <laughs> I've been saying this all along is that Manfred went to John Fisher and said, listen, you need to get this done or I'm going to make you sell. I want you to go to Vegas, find out everything you can about Vegas. We'll tell Oakland that you're there looking for a new site for yourself. And then when they crumble and fall to their knees and beg you to stay, you sign a deal with them and then we'll have all that information for an expansion team. And then along the way, Cavill opened his mouth, leaked something to the press he shouldn't have leaked, and the new mayor called their bluff, and now they're scrambling. And that's why it was so poorly planned. I want to believe that's true. I don't know if it is, but hey, but like, like if you look at the way they've behaved, it all makes sense in that in that regard. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it. go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. I'd like to uh, – you know, Casey Pratt the uh, day or two ago put out a – a short video about how to fix baseball in Oakland. And he mentioned that there's two ownership groups that want to buy the A's. Now we can assume that Lake is one. Who do you guys think the other one is? Could it be Larry Ellison? The Oracle Oracle man. Maybe I think his name has been floated around. I know years ago it was the guys from Clorox. Were, I remember that we're wanting to, we're making offers or interested in buying the A's. So it could be them again. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Maybe it's going to be a combination of them that ends up coming together and, and saving the ball club with some pretty deep pockets. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Now that the Warriors are out of the playoffs, we're going to have Casey on the show pretty soon, so I'll I'll, I'll make sure to ask him about that. Not that he'll tell us, but no, if, he, no. if he wouldn't say it in his video, he's not going to say it in mine. Yeah, they, they may not want to make it public. I wish they would make it public. That would really throw some uh, some water on that fire in Vegas. If if I was an owner, if I was in an ownership or potential ownership group that could legitimately pull the money together to buy this team, uh, which would be cheaper than buying an expansion team. So if you're local, it's in your benefit to buy the A's too. Um, I would absolutely make that public because I would want the A's fan base to be rallying behind me. And so like focus less on getting Fisher out, focus more on getting me in. 
Right. Because that's a narrative that I can use, that I can push out, that I can promote and all that kind of stuff and go look at all these people who support me. You know, so if, if, if any of those ownership people ever come across this video, make it public because I think then you have the full force of the A's fandom, uh, the full force of the Oakland, because it's, it's, if there's one thing this new mayor's made abundantly clear, it's that she would rather work with anybody else than Dave Cavill and John Fisher. Yeah, she said that today on, on her <laughs> news. <laughs> She's not mincing her words. No, and I, I agree with her totally. I mean, why do I want you to come back to me now? And like it's been pointed out before, the A's have done all the legwork. They have done so much stuff to get Howard Terminal done. The mayor says that the entitlement is there. They've already done everything that needs to be done to get it done. It's all about money. So if you could come in and say, I can buy the team for a billion dollars and I can get the stadium built by myself without getting any city money, there would be shovels in the dirt immediately. Yep, you know, absolutely. John Fisher would be stupid to pass it up. MLB would be stupid not to force it. Oakland would be stupid not to sign the dotted line. That's what makes me think like this whole argument of getting federal dollars, getting this handout is he don't have the money. He does. He does not have the capital to get this done because the city of Oakland's ready to get it done. We've, we've known that for some time. And now what, what did Las Vegas is saying now that they're only going to give up uh, about 200 million, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And the A's need to pitch in more. And that's a sticking point that just came out. That's coming out in the past, you know, today, past few hours. Um, you know, but at the same time, whoever gives John Fisher the biggest handout, like you said earlier, Tony, on Monday, they're going to get a deal done. On Tuesday, the team is going to be up for sale. And this guy is just crazy and dumb enough that if he does get the deal in Las Vegas, it it's all to his own benefit. Never mind being from California and a Bay Area guy. Just the hell with the fandom, the hell with baseball as a whole and what's good for baseball. Just take the money and run. Like that's the thing that I think is really resonating the the anxiety, the fear as a fan is he's going to sell the team at some point. He's going to sell the team and he just wants to, he, he wants a free stadium, yeah. you know, and, and we're a community that our leaders want to do business. Like we're ready to do business and you're walking away from a business deal. And by the baseball bylaws, that, that that's absolutely wrong. You're clearly tanking this season. You raise prices on season ticket holders and you're, you have a terrible roster. You, you don't take care of your minor leaguers and you're, you're walking away from negotiations. How is that not a violation of, of the baseball ownership bylaws? No, I've seen some people online saying that, you know, it's not, yeah, someone actually, and I don't give them any credit for this, but they, they said it's if we start going to someone and saying, you need to sell your business because I don't like the way you're running it, then what's next? Going to someone's house and saying, I don't I don't think you, we got to sell this house because I don't like the way you mow your lawn or the color you painted it. And that's a disingenuous comparison because the fact of the matter is, is this is a franchise of Major League Baseball. This is not his business. He is a franchise owner. And if I owned a McDonald's and I was making Whoppers all the time, McDonald's would come in and say, start making Big Macs or sell the business. Absolutely. That's how it works. This is not like I own a, a corner st shop and someone's taking it away. You own a franchise. 
And so there is precedent in the business world. There's precedent in the sports world. It's It has to get done. And somebody needs to convince him that uh, just do it now instead of waiting until the team is worth, you know, half a billion dollars more or whatever with a deal or a billion dollars more. Because if you keep kicking the can down the road, there's going to come a point when the way he runs this business is going to start decreasing the value again. Right. right? He's going to hit a peak with the new stadium and the and the honeymoon period that that brings. And then he's going to start fielding a $60 million uh, payroll in Las Vegas and it's going to start sinking. And then all of a sudden it's going to be, you know what? Um, this, this stadium is like 80% visitors. So my, this team has no value at all. Really? They're not buying A's jerseys. They're not watching A's games on TV. This is all, this is all Red Sox and Yankees fans. And then you're going to see the value start to decline. So just do it now. It may not be the peak value, but it's good enough. You've made a billion dollars on this investment. That's great. It's, and a billion dollars in cash is worth way more than a billion dollars in stock. Absolutely. He's already, he's already there. He could do that right now if someone would just, if you just say, okay, I'll sell. Absolutely. All he needs to do is, is be willing to sell and he's going to, he's going to make his money. He could walk away. Um, I just don't understand why he's holding the fans hostage. You know, clearly we're, we want to support the team or we want to keep them here. Uh, like the mayor said that the red tape is pretty much cut. We're, we're ready to get the money's on the table. And somebody pointed out, like if you, if they really legitimately walk away and it goes to Vegas, they have still gifted Oakland all the legwork into redeveloping Howard Terminal, however they want. Exactly. Like the next person that was, that would, that would be in line to, to build something there has just foregone hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, uh, reports and legislation and lawsuit. They've just, they've, it's, it's covered. We got your bill already. Right. Like, why right. would they do that? Why would this notoriously cheap owner just give that money away? I have. I mean, that's. We, we. I've read some stories about John Fisher that he wanted to build things. He wanted to be a builder. He didn't want to run Gap. He wanted to do construction. And here is this massive piece of land to develop. And you're walking away from it, like it yeah. just I doesn't. I, make I honestly sense. think he's panicking over the whole thing. I don't. I don't think he he knows what to do at this point. And maybe we give him too much credit for being smart. He inherits all his dough. He's he's never been able to live up to the expectations that his parents probably set for him, and now he's panicking. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but that's just what I see. No, I think you're right because I've done a quite a bit of research on his other business and. It's not really his choice to get involved into different markets or different businesses. He kind of invests his money with other people who make decisions and he just kind of tries to get the dividends. Um, like Sandy Dean's a huge business partner of his in other in other dealings. There's this uh, Sansom group. They're in the timber industry. Um, so they own Mendocino and Humboldt uh, Redwood. Um, and there's, there's problems with that business. If you just look at all of the businesses that John Fisher is involved in, all of them are clouded in, in issues, you know, all of them, you know, not just Gap and Old Navy and all these other things. They have their own problems as well. Um, you know, but this guy, all of his businesses have 
issues, not just the A's. And the A's aren't really a priority. I think now they're becoming a priority because of the revenue sharing. You know, I think now he's just desperate to get into a this binding agreement thing, whatever whatever that qualifier is to stay on revenue sharing. Yeah, he just needs to have an agreement. He doesn't need to right. be starting construction or anything. He just needs right. to have something binding on the books. Right. And then he can stay on the revenue stream. And the thing is, is the, the one thing that might make Vegas attractive to him is if he moves to Vegas, he'll stay on the revenue share because right. of the 40th market in the country. He's not going to be, he'll need to be on the revenue share at that point. They build the stadium in Oakland. He will eventually get weaned off of that again. But at Absolutely. that point, but now you're worrying about something 10, 15 years down the road. You're not going to be the owner then. You're not going to be a 75 year old with a, uh, a baseball team anymore you know you will have sold by then so that's even that's kind of a ridiculous uh thought uh vince here says i think forbes gave him a self-made score of two out of ten <laughs> jesus well, there you go so i said i said it to somebody the other day it's like you've got fisher and cavill playing a game of baseball and cavill shows up at third base and Fisher's already there. And he goes, hey, I, I started here. And Cavill's like, I was waved in from first, even though nobody's seen me run and they can't, they're can't. they not convinced that I can actually make it home. They waved me all the way in. And now they're racing home. And neither one of them knows what they're doing. You know, it's because, like, you skipped the first two bases. And I think that's part of the problem with these guys is, like, because Cavill, I think, kind of, he came, he got out of college and started that that baseball league. And then he became, uh, he Quakes left guy. that. He he left that to become the Quakes guy, and then the A's. So the guy's like what forty seven, forty eight years old. He's in his late forties, I think. He's had three jobs. One of them was his own business that he bailed on. And then the second two have been under this under John Fisher, so he really doesn't have the real world experience either. They're uh, both they're both guys that failed upwards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they they got promotions because of uh, the colleges they went through and the backgrounds they have and the last names they may have, uh, but they failed up. You know, it's that's the epitome of uh, you know of, of John Fisher being wealthy and, and privileged. Yeah, you know, yeah. he could just fail through life and still come out a billionaire. Well, that's the thing is gaps tank. Gap stock can tank 75% and he's still a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also owns some pretty fancy art too. His mom, his oh, mom, his mom owns that. I, I mean, he probably has a collection too, but from what I understand, his mom has a massive art collection that, you know, is under private lock and key. It's not even, you know, it, it could actually fund this gap that they've got in both cities. <laughs> Yeah, have two stadiums. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just a disappointing uh, thing. And I, I guess the sentiment that I have is um, MLB is just okay with it. You know, the um, fans don't matter anymore. And I think with, with, with fans that are in different markets, you, you know, Giants fans and in other markets is you think this can't happen to your team. Um, it can um, you have a couple of lean years and you have an owner that just doesn't give a, you know what, um, they will abandon your market for green, you know, gr grass is greener on the other side, right? They're going to go over there. Um, 
and it's not just baseball, it's basketball. We, we've seen what happens in Seattle, we see what happens in the NFL. Um, I just think we're at a time where all of these major league sports just relocation is not healthy for for communities. It's not healthy for the leagues. You know, it's not healthy for for anything. Um, you know, stick to the home market. Yeah. Well, look how they destroyed the Expos franchise. Jeffrey Loria. Mm. It was it's like the the blueprint for what Fisher's doing. You know, lousy radio coverage. You know, Loria didn't even have a French speaking radio station, and then he didn't have radio at all. And then he just blows up that team, and then then MLB takes it over and moves it. It was. I, I don't think that was right. I think Montreal was a good place for baseball. They love that team. The yeah. fact that it's the fact that it's constantly in conversation for expansion proves that. Yeah. I was can, thinking about that the other day, Tony. That would be a great, you know, if Las Vegas got a team and Montreal got a team, that would be two great, that'd be two good markets. You know, Montreal deserves a team. They should have never left. Montreal definitely does. I think Portland or Nashville would probably be for expansion. I would put them there over Vegas, but Montreal definitely should. I know uh, uh, Dave Stewart is trying to spearhead the Nashville uh, yeah. group. Um, I, would, I would be totally excited for that. I wish he'd get in on a group that saved the A's. I mean, having him as the face of the franchise would just be awesome. Someone said that last week, and then it was pointed out what, how great a job he did as GM for the Diamondbacks. And it was like, do you really want him at the front? But <laughs> that's a different job. But it is. You, you hire good people to do those things. And uh, I, I think like when the, the Haas family owned the A's, they, they did some excellent work. They had some really quality people in there and you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. There's an argument made against the Haas family that, you know, the A's were the number one payroll in baseball and they were running in, in the red. I think that's like, that's probably true, but I also think the economics of baseball is a lot different, right? Like, you know, cable networks and streaming and merch and how, I mean, how baseball cards and tops and all of the, all of the stuff that goes along with baseball is just totally different card collecting and Jersey collecting and all of the, the, you know, Nike now being the sponsor of jerseys and alternate jerseys, like baseball now is totally different than when the, the Haas family owned it. Um, to, if somehow the ha, you know Walter Haas was able to you know retain control of the team for many more years i mean you know UC Berkeley named the school of business after him i believe <laughs> you know so i think they would have figured out the business of of keeping the A's profitable yeah. um you know shots got shots got at least two buildings named after him too so who knows about that <laughs> i i do think shot uh uh shot and hoffman wanted to win i just think yes. they were cash strapped you know, I think if they had the deep pockets of some of these other owners, I think they would have been all in. I just think they were truly they, they couldn't afford it. They, no. I think they talked about it in, in some interviews after the fact that they threw a bid as like, a uh, see what happens. And they got picked. So they they won a lottery just kind of just by playing the game. Um, but they just didn't have the money. You know, uh, I don't really look at them as bad people or bad ownership. They just, they honestly didn't have the cash. No, they're definitely not bad people. I actually, um, I know a few of the shots personally and it's a, it's a nice family, but yeah, it's having a building named after you doesn't mean anything. But um, I think 
there's a Harvard Business School case study about the Hosh years. Okay, so that's from Eric in the chat. Um, so that tells you something right there. I think the thing with Haas is you got to look at too. They owned a team that was worth tens of millions of dollars versus what we've got now. You know, it's like the 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 highest paid contract in baseball today is probably worth as much as a lot of baseball teams were in the eighties, you know, when Haas bought a late seventies and the eighties, you know, so that's different obviously. And it is like you said, with all the licensing deal and all that stuff. And that's why I've said 3000 times at this point, if David Fisher and Jim Fisher, now <laughs> they have morphed into one being if David Cavill and John Fisher can't make money on a baseball team, that's got the history that the A's have with all the goofy characters and all the all-star players and everything from on the field and in the stands and all of it. If they can't make money off of that, just off the nostalgia factor of people like me who came of baseball age during the 89 series or people like you who were here when they first moved here. Like if you can't sell that and make billions of dollars every year, you don't deserve it. And I think what set Haas apart was he wanted a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Fisher doesn't want a baseball team. It was an investment. You know, guys like me would probably make better owners because we wouldn't really be uh, as so tight with the money. But I got to sell, I got to sell 250 million of these before I can afford a baseball team. Right? right. And that's the problem is that these guys don't have it ingrained in their, uh, in their souls. Like we do. They didn't sneak down. They didn't get the nosebleed seats and sneak down to the good seats during the third inning when they were kids like we did. They Absolutely. always had boxes. Absolutely. You know, you know, and John John Fisher, you know, inheriting the gap and, and these other clothing lines, it's not like he studied fashion and worked his ass off to to right. pioneer the brand forward. He inherited it. He inherited shares. He he did nothing. He's a we nothing bird. It. He's accomplished nothing on his own. And when you inherit it, you don't have the same. You regard. don't have the same drive, right? You just don't have the same drive. What's his nickname? Harpo. He just Harpo. cried about everything all the time. He yeah, just whined, he a, just whined his way to the top. And stubborn, super stubborn. <laughs> like, wow, what a superpower! Just complain your way to the top. Well, we're see, we're seeing that play out in real time when the when the billionaire is quibbling over tens of millions of dollars. You know, he doesn't want to have to pay. His temper tantrum isn't going to play here. I, I think the other owners are going to get sick and tired of it. I do think the media, the Las Vegas media now, now that they're starting to see it and these deals are the deals seemingly, you know, on shaky ground. I think people are kind of seeing him who he is for who he is, you know? No, definitely. And I think Vegas isn't going to play with these guys either. This is a team that was built on the backs of mobsters and stuff like that. They, their, their BS meter is finely tuned. You know, so there's no way that they're going to stick stick for much more of these shenanigans. Or what was the casino people last week? That I think it was last week or a few days ago. They said these aren't serious people in, yeah. in regards to Fisher and Cavill. They're not serious people. It's it, it, they're like stooges. They just they can't get anything done, and they're just a couple of imbeciles. <laughs> so. Uh, Peter says, hopefully Stanford will do a case study called Ultimate Stadium Blunders. And that would obviously be for Dave Cavill. Ginger says $4 bleacher seats and a kid's BART ticket. I practically had season tickets as a child. Mom sent us with a cooler full of food by ourselves. Uh, I never got to go by myself. I think we're about the same age, me and Ginger. But I remember you used to 
bring your own food. I used to get free tickets from the back of a cereal box. We used to park across the street on the other side of 880 and walk over the bridge to get to the park. We could do the whole day for 20 bucks, you know. <laughs> those were the days. Absolutely. I could get yeah, a giveaway days. I used to buy multiple tickets. I could get I, I would get there early, walk around, exit, come back around so I could get two giveaways. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be even cheaper on you guys. I would go take Bart for 90 cents round trip. Four dollars for a second deck seat, and I could get away for a couple bucks for a hot dog and a soda. Man, do- dollar tickets, dollar dogs. I used know, to have. My uncle cents. gave me when I was a kid. He had he had tickets to I think the seventy three World Series, and he mounted them on a little plaque or whatever, and he gave it to me because I was an Ace fan when I was a kid. And the tickets on the World Series tickets were under five bucks for a World Series. <laughs> yeah. My mom went to a, a World Series. It was it 1990, the Reds? Um, she went to the World Series game. And <laughs> she got home really late, so I'm a little kid. I come crawling out. I'm like, Mom, where you been? She's like, oh, went to the World Series. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> you know, but it's there, there's just such a generational connection yeah. to the A's. And that baseball is just okay with abandoning multiple generations of fans and multiple future generations of fans just to walk away from it is just insane to me. I, I cannot wrap my brain. Maybe I'm just too emotional about it, that's, too committed about it. And it, it just doesn't make sense. That's been their problem this whole time is like, they keep talking about, we need to get the younger generations and they've been doing this for 25 years, right? Even though attendance is up and profits are up and team values are up, they keep saying we need to attract the younger audience. And they keep trying to change the game to appeal to the younger audience. And what they need to be doing is appealing to us because we're the next year. We're, I didn't get into baseball because of a pitch clock or whatever. I got into baseball because my dad was watching baseball on TV one day and we sat and watched a game. Then he took me to a game and then I went to games with my grandmother. And, and all, like that's why I got into baseball, right? Because it was a family thing. And so instead of marketing to 20 year olds, you need to market to the guys like me. I got a three year old son. You should be marketing to me and convincing me it's time to teach him uh, the infield fly rule, you know, stuff like that. They're they're just marketing to the wrong people. They don't know what they have. They're no better at at profiting off of nostalgia than, than I just said, John Fisher and Cavill were, you know, otherwise this would be a trillion dollar industry, right? You know, because it is ingrained in us all the way back. You know, there's somebody that's got a story about going to see Joe DiMaggio with their grandfather or something, you know, that is something that you need to attach to, you know, the fact that my mom knows who Steph Curry is and LeBron James and Tiger Woods and Joe Montana, but wouldn't know who Shohei or Mike Trout are tells you everything you need to know about how, how good baseball is and marketing this stuff. They have no cultural impact at all. And doing stuff like this, taking a team out of its at its home territory that it's had for 50 years and trying to plant it in a place that's got no history of baseball at all, is it's it's a fool's errand. You're not going to get the results you think you're going to get. Yep. Because you're 100 percent right. It's that history that gets us going. Because in order for that to work, they would have to actually put in the time and the effort to make a cultural impact. Right. I said somebody in my tweets today say that everybody said the same thing about Montreal moving to Washington. 
that is going to be bad for baseball. And I was quick to point out, totally different situation. Washington had a history of baseball with the Senators, not mm-hmm. that long before. You know, um, they already had a ballpark. The, the Nationals played in the old ballpark for the mm-hmm. first two or three seasons. So there was less hurdles to go through. There was a history. It was a much bigger market. It's like the sixth biggest market versus the 40th market. Much bigger media market. Everything in that is maybe a a bum deal for Montreal, but I can see why it was a success for baseball. That's not going to be the case with this one. I can guarantee you that the honeymoon period is going to be short in Las Vegas. And in two, three, four years, it's going to be filled with people who got their tickets for free because they sat through a timeshare meeting in Las Vegas hotel room. And that's going to be it. There's not going to be any fans there from Las Vegas. And it's just going to be a, a disaster. Especially if your your stadium is connected to a casino. They're, yeah. they're going to be gambling and on slot machines. Nobody's going to even be watching the game. Like, you know, it's you're basically building a baseball casino. And, oh, by the way, there's a game being played. <laughs> and the A's even said that, oh, well, we're going to have a team store for all teams in the stadium. I mean, yeah. okay. So you're going to be a visiting team 162 games a year? Which is why I suggested just making a visitor park. Right. When you, you talk set about it up, walking, MLB talk- buys the park. They build the park. They own the park. MLB as a entity owns it. They host every weekend. They host two teams. Both of them are on their away trip. So it takes no money away from the home revenues. And then that's the national broadcast game. Those three, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you do that every weekend, you get almost 81 games, which is what you'd get at home, but you eliminate Tuesday night games and Wednesday day games in May when nobody's in Las Vegas. That's actually pretty um, you, you split the money with the teams, so they all get a piece of it. You know, They all get a piece of that broadcasting money. And then the other revenues, the MLB puts in a pot to pay for stadiums for other teams. So if this, so if the A's have to go to Oakland for $400 million, the MLB will just give it to you and you can skip the cities altogether. Because as we've seen with the Coyotes, the appetite for publicly funding stadiums is drying up. And so why doesn't MLB just cut, create something that they can start self-funding these things? Because there's going to come a time when all these stadiums are going to need to be replaced. You know, uh, the giant stadium's already, what, 20 years old now? Older than that, ain't it? Is it maybe 25? It was late 90s, early 2000s, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't go over there. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's it's hard for me to care for something I don't care about. But, you know, but it's like it's going to come a time when that one's going to need to be replaced or severely revamped or whatever, you know? So if MLB had those funds because they've been collecting all this money from having their own ballpark and their own revenue stream separate from everything else, then you take the cities out of the equation, things start moving fast. Plus, you got a home for the All Star Games and the World Baseball Classic and little, uh, little league, uh, minor league uh, championships, all that stuff. You build it right in there. Well, I think I said this on Twitter last night. I was having some conversations with folks. Is uh, you know, I think the region and baseball would do better that the A's do stay in Oakland because you got the giant stadium that's on the water. And let's say we build it at Howard Terminal, you get a new baseball stadium there. I think you know, the, the world has embraced this, uh, you know, world baseball classic and, you know, you'd be able to host, uh, you know, some games, you know, the championship series or the final rounds in, in, in the Bay area, um, you know, to have Levi stadium and the giant stadium. And, you know, if the A's stay, you know, 
earthquakes, you know, you have the infrastructure to host even larger events. Um, I think the World Cup is going to be here in a few years. They're going to be playing at the Giants and Levi Stadium. Um, you know, so it kind of makes your market better. You know, it allows your other stadiums to host things too. Um, so I, again, it, I think the problem that we're, we're, it, it makes too much sense. Our, you know, having a, uh, baseball funding, a stadium and every weekend you get a, a Friday, Saturday night, uh, series is that it makes too much sense. Is you know, that's sometimes that's the problem, uh, with the fans is we, we want it to be successful on all sides, but it seems like baseball is just constantly in its own way. And, and you know, that's why we're here. And that's why they're losing to the other major sports. Mm-hmm. So anything else you guys want to add? That seems like a good closing point. Is there anything else you guys want to add before we sign off? Sure. Sell the team, Fisher. <laughs> yeah, I just same thing is uh, keep those hashtags going. You know, sell the team, Fisher out, Oakland forever. Um, keep the pressure up. Um, and let's not forget about June 13th um, and trying to sell out um, the stadium and and keep bringing a national voice. Um, you know, share uh, share this video. Um, keep sharing other videos and other comments is, uh, we you know, all of us as a collective, whether you're an ace fan or not, is is keep banging that drum, right? Um, bring as much attention to this as possible. Um, and we'll see what happens. Um, we're not going to stop fighting and arguing for it. Not and all. if you're if you're at a visiting park, get one of those cell shirts or make one of your own because even though it doesn't really do any good, it does because every time a visiting you know you're seen in a visiting park, it, it creates a conversation in that media box. Every yeah, single just, we've seen it game after game after game now. So keep doing that and get other announcers to start talking about it so that people are more aware. Because for ten years now, the narrative has been we just didn't care as A's fans. Yeah. My wife and I and our grandson are going to be going to PNC Park uh, to see the A's play the Pirates. And uh, I got to get my hands on some of those shirts so we're going to, we can wear them there. Definitely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks well, for thank, having me. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming. If uh, anybody watching or listening um, on the podcast wants to join me, just send me a message uh, on any social media or you can find me at herohabit.com or you can email me at uprooted at herohabit.com. And uh, we'll get you scheduled for a future episode. And make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel because there's some cool episodes coming up with some cool people. All right. I will see you all next week. Take care. Good night. Thank you.